It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon in Partners for the Injured. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strzok. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live Media Day Thursday. Now, just 28 days from kickoff. Hello, Adam. Hello, Mike. Yeah, happy Media Day to all who observe. There's actually NFL football on tonight, too. I don't know if anybody's watching that. I think the, the Jags and the Raiders are playing. So I know Mike's not watching, but if you're into football, apparently there's football tonight. You know, I usually put the Hall of Fame game on for about three plays. I, I didn't even, I forgot all about it. It used to be on a Sunday night. Now they moved to Thursday, I guess. Uh, maybe I'll put it on for a couple plays just for tradition's sake after we're done with this and then go to bed. I'm pretty sure they moved it to Thursday a while ago. I'm glad you've discovered it this week. Well, the, the Jags are playing. I live locally here in Jacksonville, so it's a, uh, it's a big day when uh, none of the top players are playing. I think Mike is frozen, too. So, Gotcha. Best Media day, busy afternoon out at the Nicholson Fieldhouse. Already, Adam, I uh, appreciate you uploading interviews that were part of the scrums with the media with quarterback Mikey Keene and quarterback John Rice Plumley. both of them arriving after the players portion. They had a finance class together. Well, it's good. We, there was a lot of topic of conversation lately about financial literacy for players. So I'm glad to see JRP and, and Mikey Keene are taking to that. But Trace, I got to say off the top of the show, just fantastic job. There, there's a ton of stuff going on. We have uh, no fewer than like 15 interviews at some point to, to load into our YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribing now, make sure you do so. Uh, Kamori Gamble, Trevor Morris Brash, Quadric Bullard, even some coaches, Herb Hand, Brian Blackman. Uh, you'll get to know Grant Hurd, new wide receivers coach. So a ton of stuff coming soon, all courtesy of Trace and the hard work. So make sure you are you are clued in to our YouTube channel. 19 players made Trace available. Trace does all. was on the roster 40 minutes. You can't get to everybody. I got to as many people as I could. Trace, you've been, been doing a heck of a job all offseason. Now this is your time to shine. I, I love it every year you get to go and talk to all these guys. 
we, me and Adam don't have the access. We live too far away. And let's face it, we're probably too lazy to do it. So thank you for, for keeping us all plugged in. Uh, Adam, you've been lumped into that lazy uh, thing. Now, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see each of you, though, uh, with a Q&A with the players and coaches. Yeah. And we've seen some of Mike's work with Coach Malzahn. Uh, Coach well, Trish, Martin. you're in luck. Every week uh, since UCF Podcast, we have a, a lengthy Q&A with somebody. So, I mean, check. I mean, except I this know, week. but I mean in this sort of the setting. Week we don't that. get to see you in this sort of setting. They'd love us, yeah. Uh, three practices in the books for the Knights. Practice for Friday. They'll be in shells. Same on Saturday. And then scrimmage, uh, practice number six, coming up on Sunday. Coach Malzahn has said he wants to get those scrimmages a couple in early. And uh, today, during his media availability, during media day, uh, he previewed what we'll see, or what we won't see, but what they'll be doing on Sunday during the scrimmage. Yeah, our first scrimmage is usually more run-oriented, and, you know, we got evaluation like linebackers, these transferred linebackers, we think we got some really talented guys, but we got to find out some information in a hurry. We can't have growing pains on, on Saturdays. So, uh, you know, that'll be by design. It'll be a very simple, uh, not a lot of schemes. So we'll just evaluate our guys, and I'm talking about not the guys that we already know that started for two or three years, but the guys that just got here or the guys that are freshmen or guys that didn't start last year but maybe they're close so it'll be a complete evaluation scrimmage and hopefully we'll learn a lot about our our team so we can at least start putting the pieces in the puzzle adam uh some clips that i posted during the media availability uh to practice about 20 minutes or so on monday three practices a couple of media sessions and now media day what are some takeaways or uh, you know thoughts that you have based on what you've heard so far this week yeah, I'm really excited, I think, about a few different things. It sounds like the the new guys are really gelling well on offense. You hear Javon uh, Baker, his name a few times. He had a fantastic catch, uh, a Mikey Keene throw. He kind of mossed the uh, DB, I think it was Corey Thornton, in the end zone for a nice catch. So you're seeing a little bit of the quarterback play. I know Mike did a nice breakdown of uh, a Plumley throw versus Keene throw. I, I know you're not seeing a, a bunch. You were on the Mark Moses show, and you called the glorified stretching, I think, uh, during that period of time. So we're not seeing a bunch, but I like that we're seeing a lot and hearing a lot about transfer guys, about guys who are coming in, gelling in new. I also love that Gus is always looking for information. He feels like a CIA agent. He always wants information on stuff. So I'm glad that Gus is getting that information he needs. Mike, what's your big takeaway so far of what you've heard this week? Well, everything's been positive so far this week. Remember last year we saw footage of the kickers hitting cars in the parking lot. Nobody <laughs> could hit a kick. No negative stuff so far. So I take that as a good sign. Um, I think the, the, the quarterback battle, we don't learn too much about it. We've seen one pass a day from each of them. And so and that's kind of controlled by UCF of what they're putting out. So I really haven't learned much, to be honest. I've seen some stretching drills, and I've seen uh, a couple passes here and there. One of the interviews that you'll see on the Suns YouTube channel, just as soon as we can get that up, is with wide receivers coach Hurd. And I asked him about that catch uh, by the Alabama transfer, Javon Baker. And he said, that's what he's supposed to do. Let's not uh, make a big deal out of the fact he's supposed to catch the ball. So he was just kind of matter of fact. He was glad he caught it, but he expects that from him. Uh, but you do hear his name uh, a couple of times uh, this week. So uh, that battle for who else is going to be with Ryan O'Keefe uh, is an interesting one. Well, Trace, I, I say one thing every preseason, right? Watch who the guys are who are getting in front of the media. The, the, the guys who got trotted out for media, media day today, Javon Baker has been here all of 14 minutes and he's at media day, right? So I, I think you can read into a little bit of what, what's happening on the field or in practice, who gets to the podium, 
who gets the media day. My favorite story of all time was you told us this last year. You're in the media room. You're waiting for a defensive player, and Quadric Bullard comes strolling in, and you and everybody else looked around and said, who's that? And you quickly realized it was Quadric Bullard. And, oh, by the way, he went on to have, I think, the, he was the, the, the team leader in tackles last year. So UCF's not trotting these guys out for no reason. Obviously, these are, are, are I think, kids who you're going to see playing at some point in time. So uh, pay attention to who's coming out, who's, who's a part of these, because I think that's a bit of a tip of the hand as to who you can expect to hear from this year. And the Quadric Bullard interview, when you get that post on the YouTube channel, that kid's got confidence. Uh, he just oozes. He knocked out his coach and survived. I mean, you got you to give the kid credit, right? Uh, Another thing we talked about on the show this week, pay attention to the numbers they gave these guys. Javon Baker, given number one, you don't just give that to somebody that's going to be, uh, you know, the fourth, fifth receiver. They expect big things out of him. So I, I'm not surprised to see him do something big already. The coaches are all singing from the same playbook about how they feel better in season two, how just bringing together this team. And that's the big question. And I don't know that we're going to get the answer, of course, against South Carolina State, just 28 days away, how they come together, what that chemistry is like. But they're all saying those same things. Team activities plan, those social outings. They're trying to bring the offense and defense together. And of course, for those of us who experienced the Josh Heupel years, uh, it's nice to see that it's one unified team. Yeah, I love the conversation you're hearing about team, about gelling together. I think, look, as a player on the team, and, and we've got we've got Nick Patty coming up here in a little in a little bit. He can speak to this more specifically. When you bring a bunch of new guys into an existing group, there's always going to be a little bit of you know standoffishness around who are these new guys, what are they about, and I think Gus recognizes that. You know, he's mixing a lot of players together. Some guys don't know each other really well. I like that they're trying to find ways to not just get these get these guys cohesive on the football field, but off the field as well. Build those relationships because you know I think he recognizes that there's a lot of change. And with change comes uncomfortability. And I like that he's trying to make the players as comfortable as they can be so they can go out on Saturdays and Thursdays and Fridays, whatever, and be successful. So, Adam, do you think we can get some sort of musical opening or something, some sort of graphic for a category called Mike's Favorites? Uh, preseason poll, first I've seen, CBSSports.com, UCF 40th, and another watch list, long snapper Alex Ward, Patrick Manley Award for top long snapper. Of course, he's a finalist for that. 25 names on that list. So, Mike, a one-two punch there. Preseason polls and watch list for you. Well, is this the smallest watch list we've seen so far? 25 names? That That's not a lot. Maybe these people don't don't do enough research to who the long snapper is on all these teams. So and they and he was a finalist last year, so his name's pretty well known around the country. Uh, the preseason poll, take that for what it is. I didn't get a vote on it. Did you get a vote on this one, Trace? That that has lingered for a whole week. It's appeared in several shows. I did not have a vote on that. Well, when, when you're picked to finish third or fourth in the American, I guess forty sounds about right. For now, but you know we have, we have a chance early in the year. If we beat Louisville, we take care of business going into conference play. It shouldn't take too long for us to crack a top twenty-five. Well, on my Twitter at SignPez, the poll question I asked this week: What are you most concerned about shaking out during this camp and it shaking out successfully? Linebackers edging quarterbacks. Still a lot of questions at that linebacker position, but of course, all eyes focused on the quarterback battle. Let's bring in. Our man, former UCF quarterback Nick Patty, back with us. Nick, how are you? Doing well, guys. Happy to be back. It's good to uh, have have the season right around the corner. Excitement's building. Since we last saw you, want to share a little information with everyone watching. You have a new addition to the family. Tell us about it. Hey, all right. 
Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. My wife and I had our first uh, baby girl. Noah Kate is uh, blessed us with her presence. So she's uh, just under three months old. So been an action-packed couple months, and looking forward to football being here to have a little uh, something to something to do around the house. And but we're excited. <laughs> a lot of fun. Well, congratulations. So, uh, John Rice Plumley, Mikey Keene, different media sessions today at Media Day. Everybody's saying the right things. Iron sharpens iron. What do you make of this quarterback challenge? Yeah, um, man, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I'd love to see practice. I'd love to see, like, the individual drills. I'd love to see seven on. I, I would assume um, being involved in, you know, one of those – situations where they have a lot of respect for each other it's it it is like a, a very professional or they're, they're both going about it in a very professional way um and they can get really heated on the field which is fun right i think that's good i think that's good for everybody i think it's good for the entire offense um you know we've, we've got some mature leaders that are there i i think uh man it's gonna be wild to see i uh i i don't know i think we'll see both of them for sure one way or another um but no telling who takes the first snap? Nick, I'm not going to ask you to predict what Gus Malzahn would do, but I'll ask you to predict what you would do. So if you were the coach, what are the things you would look for as you're trying to decide who separates themselves? Are there intangibles? Are there things that you would say, hey, if I see a guy do this, this probably means he he's my starter? Yeah, I think a lot of that gets answered within the clubhouse, right? You know, within the locker room, a lot of that gets handled. Um, it's sort of, I mean, you know, it's all there quantified intangibles and things of that nature. But I think some of it just kind of gets answered as you go. A lot of the coaches are looking for the little things that, you know, throughout camp, who's, who's following who. I, I just think it's, it's things you can't necessarily put your finger on and it's not that, you know, one guy does. It, obviously it comes down to the reps and the production of the offense. But, um, you know, I just think it's those little unseen things throughout camp that just sort of separate one from the next. And for some reason, I think, you know, every camp that you go through, um, you see one set of players, one group start to operate a little better than the next. Right. And it's, um, you know, as an offense, Gus has been through this a lot, right. With, with a lot of trigger men that he's had to sort of siphon through, you know, through his offense. That's, that it's a little nuanced. Right. So, um, you know, I think operation is a big thing that was always, you know, I, I think, probably the most important thing with a, a newer staff with getting all these guys cohesed. Right. So um, who can operate, who can move guys, get guys in the right position. Um, you know, they've got a, a, a fairly veteran group, but new pieces that haven't been here. Right. Guys that have played a lot of snaps, but not together. So I think who can get the right guys on the field in the right spots, operate the cleanest is, is probably the, the biggest thing you're looking for. If it's me, right now as a coach is who can make this thing work the best. We've got a lot of great transfers that are great players who can make all those guys that have a ton of snaps all work well together the best. And it's really difficult as a quarterback, even a veteran guy. But um, yeah, I think both, both those guys are up for the task. A lot of it is made of, of Malzahn's system of what he's used to. I, I've seen him do it both ways. I've seen him throwing it, throwing the ball all the time. I've seen him do it with a running quarterback. To me, it's not that big of a deal. But the way the team is built this year with a strong running game, do you think that favors one quarterback over the other? It's hard not to say plumbly in that situation. Um, you know, you look back at like the Nick Marshalls of the world when obviously um, 
some of the biggest plays of that season for Auburn were through the air, but it definitely wasn't an air raid type attack. Right. Um, I think with his system, it's hard. And we talked about that a lot last year of like, man, if Mikey could just get a little bit more done with his feet and create a little bit more, um, you know, I think we would have seen a little bit different offense last year. Uh, I don't think that Gus is, is, is without ability to have a, an air raid passing attack that can really put up yards. But I think it favors Plumley a little bit in that respect because he can really make things happen with their feet and with his feet. And, uh, you know, he can create a little bit more than Mikey, in, in my opinion. Earlier you said you expect we'll see both guys, but what does that mean? If Mikey Keene wins this job, does that mean John Rice Plumley gets those couple of Joey Gatewood-style plays a game? And then conversely – if John Rice Plumley wins the job, where is it and how is it that we see Mikey Keene? Yeah, I think um, personally, I think it would be more involved than Joey was uh, a year a year ago. It won't be just the, the ticky-tacky kind of, um, I guess, predictable goal line, third and one, fourth and one plays where it's not a lot of options. I think that he would be more involved in the – in the RPO game, I think they would be more involved in, in, in somewhat of a, you know, he, he'd get thrown in the slot. I don't think they're going to waste his talent. I uh, had the ability to be around uh, the staff and team about a month and a half ago. And um, they wouldn't stop talking about Plumlee's athletic ability and ability to create. Um, and so I just think, I mean, if there was one thing that they were overly excited about, it was just his ability to be athletic and to just, create pure offense just by being um, a, a head and shoulders above everybody with his athleticism and his instinct and all that good stuff. So I just think that, um, you know, it, I don't believe that it's going to be a situation where you've got a Joey Gatewood, Gatewood that's a, a good talent, a good sized kid. I think that they would revolve a little bit of the offense around that, whether that's a, you know, a package type thing or, you know, whether it's, it is him playing receiver because he's got some, experience doing that i don't know exactly but i just uh given the narrative i can't imagine that they're not going to have that kid on the field somehow nick on the offensive side of the ball which other position group is most impacted by the selection of the quarterback is it the offensive line who has to block for admittedly two different styles of quarterback is it receivers who have to get used to different ball placement different ball flight is it running backs who have to get used to different cadence which other position group do you think is most impacted by this this decision to see who the starting quarterback will be yeah i think um it's difficult to to name one i definitely say receivers and running backs maybe maybe one for one but in this situation i'd say probably running backs first receivers second reason being um Again, heavy, heavy run game and that, you know, the mesh and all the RPOs and all that stuff. That's such a field type um, connection between the running back and the, and the quarterback. So one little change there. And that's why switching guys in and out when you're doing all these RPOs and such uh, can be difficult because that that seed, that ride, all that, it feels so much different. You get so used to it when you've got your guy in there. So I think that sort of hinders that right so you've got that fourth and one you've got that goal line play where it's it's really really you know nitty-gritty nut cutting time and and you're just a little hesitating because you're not as comfortable with that guy um you know i think receivers it's pretty easy to say the timing and you know where guys are going to be and ball flight and arm angle got some guys scramble more than others and you get comfortable with that but today's game 
you know, style of play is pretty similar to where those guys can be pretty free. So in this offense, I think running backs probably be the most effective. If all things really are equal and Gus can't make up his mind, do you think in today's college football that the transfer portal has any kind of bearing on his decision where JRP's already transferred once? I know they may change that rule, but Keen, if he's announced as a starter, he's scared that he may jump in the portal. I do. Um, you know, it's uh, difficult to say what would be the motivation behind, you know, starting a, a guy or not. You know, I, it, that's tough. I do think it would play a role if I'm going to say yes or no. Uh, having a chance to sit down with Gus a little bit a couple weeks ago as well. Um, we talked about the transfer portal quite a bit uh, and just kind of how it's changed the game, how it's changed decisions, how it's changed the way the whole program runs. Um, and that's from top to bottom. And there's a bunch of names that they've had to deal with this off season. Some that we know, some that we don't. And um, so I absolutely, without a doubt, think that that would play a role. Uh, as far as playing time, I don't believe that. Uh, I, I think that that will make it even closer, even if they already know who's going to play there. I, I, I highly doubt that that isn't uh a big motivator for them to, to keep both of those guys very interested for as long as they can. Give us a sense of that extended conversation with coach Malzahn. Well, what are your takeaways from him? What do you, what do you like about him leading this program? Yeah, I, um, I, I was really thrilled with the chance to do it. So um, I just had an opportunity to, to be involved with a group of former players and, uh, to speak to the team and be around them for a little bit on, on just some things different than football, but uh, I had a chance to spend some time with him. I, I was so thrilled with the chance because he was everything that uh, I kind of hoped he'd be not to kind of Google Gaga over coach, but um, he just is a, is a stand-up guy. He really has a good vision for the program. He's got a good vision for the athletes. Um, he, he has their, you know, he's a big picture thinker way more than, than you might peg him to be. And so uh, he's certainly a ball coach at the end of the day, but he sees, you know, all facets of this thing. And it was really just good to know that us going to the Big 12, us being in a, a program that really needs to build and, and raise money and all that good stuff. Uh, he's been at that highest level where he really knows how that thing ticks. And so um, it was awesome to hear him kind of talk about what those ideas were. And I won't I won't share too much of, of that conversation, but. Um, he, he did mention over and over again how much the portal has has affected them just because of the lack of ability to create resources that these kids are getting offered elsewhere. Uh, and, and, and some some positions and guys that we really would not have wanted to see go. Um, and so I think from that perspective, that's why I think it would no doubt about it um, play a role in what's going to happen in the quarterback room. Uh, I don't know that, you know, money and resources and and all that would be a re, it would be playing time for those guys to leave but i think that they they're well aware of, of that facet of the program and um yeah it be all end all i was really excited about it, which is outlook of the program where we're going and what we're gonna be doing here soon nick leading into your, your appearance here trace had a pull-up about quarterback or linebacker which one was more concerning take us to the defensive side of the ball for a second we've obviously mentioned and we know we're very thin at linebacker and we've talked about that as a weak spot in your opinion obviously with all the football you know how big a deal is that how how concerned would you be about having really one solid returning linebacker in jjb and a bunch of kids that we think have a lot of talent but we haven't really seen in the field or play at this level how concerning would that be for you 
Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's more concerning than the poll showed uh, personally. And half the reason I say that one is because I think, and I've said it before, I I think it's arguably one of the more important parts of the defense nowadays. And it goes overseen. Everybody wants good DBs in a back end because of the passing game. Um, but having the ability to have linebackers that can go coast to coast and go sideline to sideline and run around with these, with these dudes and cover people in the back end. So important, especially with the style of defense that UCF has with three, three, five and all that. And I think, um, you know, our linebackers are a little different because they have kind of a multifunction, right? They got to set the edge. They got to be those defensive ends, not just linebackers, but defensive ends. Right? So they have to play kind of multiple roles. So, I don't think it's uh, – who knows? Maybe we see some guys have a breakout year. Maybe we see some guys that are really, really good players. Maybe they have guys they can use multifaceted. Uh, and maybe they make tweaks to the, to the scheme, right? But, um, you know, I think it's way more concerning than I do quarterback right now. But we'll see. I, I'm excited to see how the defense shakes out because of, because of that very thing. But we'll see. This afternoon, Coach Malzahn mentioned they were going to do some team-building exercises tonight and throughout fall camp. How important is that? And when you were there under O'Leary, did you guys do anything similar to that? Did you have outings during camp like this? <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, camp during O'Leary, not to say too much, was uh, – the opposite of uh, of outings to to become closer. That that's uh, that's all I'll say about that. It was a grind, man. But um, at the same token, under Frost, we did we had an opportunity to do that. We had a leadership council that was really involved, and uh, within position groups, we did that. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. When I was there, uh, not to mention it too many times, but when I had a chance to be there. Um, a couple a month and a month or so ago, uh, they had a cookout as a team. They were playing cornhole at a cornhole competition. Um, they did it like once a week. They had these outings, and I just think it was awesome. Everybody was involved. Uh, there was a ton of food, games, music. All the coaches were there, all the players, support staff, everybody. And it was just um, – you kind of see it working. And I just think that, that uh, one of the things that I mentioned about Coach Malzahn, where you just got to get fired up about what he's doing for the program, much bigger than just – X's and O's and being a, being a good ball coach. Right. So uh, really cool to see one as an alumni too, as a fan. Um, and so, uh, yeah, much different than we did it uh, when O'Leary was there, but I think it's good stuff. Nick, you can always count on the sons of UCF are hard hitting questions. Our guy UCF Mike yesterday put up a, uh, a bit of a poll situation. I want to put it on screen for you here. You have $15 to spend, Nick, and mm. you can spend it any way you want to. Obviously, quarterback, running back, receiver, defensive player, and head coach. I'm not sure if you can see this fully, but how would Nick Patty spend his 15 UCF dollars? Wow. Okay. I'm going, ooh. Man, this is tough. I'm, I'm going, pardon my math. <laughs> the math is the toughest part of this, by the way. Yes. What position do you go to first? You want to lock up a quarterback first, or receiver, or running back? Head coach. I'm going Frost first, no doubt. Might be right. four dollars. All right, four dollars already off the bank. Okay. I'm going. Frost. I'll keep track for you, Nick. I got you on math. I'm going Adrian Killings at three dollars. Okay. It's it's seven as far as my math. Yeah, you eight, 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 eight bucks left. <laughs> But so I have to okay. I got to pick one from each of the things. Okay. Yes. You need a quarterback, a receiver, and a defensive player. You have eight bucks. 
Yep. I got this. Okay. I'm going <laughs> McKenzie Milton. Wow. Okay. JJ Wharton. Richie Grant. I might be under budget. You are. You yeah, got some money left for like a beer. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> under budget. Yeah. I like okay. it. I'll put okay. that up. I'd like to see the other uh, how how that stack up. What do you guys think? It's a good people. squad. We had we, we had a few good responses on that. Like I saw Khalid Davis responded. At, we had we had a couple of responses on that. I think a lot of people went QB first. Nick, I think that's the that's their strategy. Is which which side of these columns do you go to first? Man, I was involved in the Frost Magic. Man, I saw it first thing, you know. And it's just hard not to not to pick that guy, you know. But that's a fun game. I, that's I think I might have seen that pop up. We got a lot of responses. I don't think I had more than I don't think I had the same response twice. Let's put it that way. So whoever came up with that thing, which was me, I think did a great job uh, <laughs> sorting out the money. That's good. Anybody else come under budget, Mike? Yeah, Mario came up with like two dollars short. He took Godfrey as his quarterback because he loves him, and uh, I forget who else he picked, but he, he had a couple of bucks left over for beer. Who did he take as his quarterback? Jeff Godfrey. Oh, nice. I love for one dollar. There you go. That's what, that's what value you buy, man. Value you buy. <laughs> uh, Nick Patty, we're glad to have you back with the Sons of UCF. And again, congratulations on your newest edition. Appreciate that, guys. Excited to be back. All right. Talk to you okay. soon, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Sounds good. Under budget by a dollar. Not bad. He could have had Asante if he wanted on defense, but he chose to uh, stick with Richie, uh, maybe because he knows him. That, that has something to do with it. I never answered my question. I got a text today from a buddy, the guy that I'm friends with that knows Schneider, and he, he kind of gave me $2 for Schneider. What's going on there? And I, I simply told him, no, not one person has bought Schneider for $2. So what does that I don't want to reveal who, Mike. I'll keep this confident. But you got a direct message from a, a player on that list who took umbrage with yes, his value and did not appreciate where he was <laughs> slotted. So Ooh. stay tuned. Maybe this one, this guy will come on soon to, uh, to talk to us. To, uh, we'll to, to spend his own money on that one. Uh, before we bring in our next guest, a couple of news and notes. Anthracite out, guys. The uh, fan choice, the colors that fans will wear. By, they went bold on South Carolina State. It's up to you. There's no particular color. There's no white. There's no black. Whatever you want to wear. But Anthracite out it appears um record-setting revenue uh, ucf gonna need it interesting what nick was saying about nil money right uh, but uh, ucf announces 43.8 million dollars in commitments 20.2 million dollars cash on hand and then out today up to 98 percent sold out on season tickets just 830 left and uh mike checking in with you how are you with the charge on tour uh ace uh, cafe orlando friday august 12th are you there yet yes no Still a no. I've got a lot of trips planned for this season. I want to go up for the Louisville game. The Georgia Tech is a question mark. I don't know about that, but I want to go up for Cincinnati. I want to make it over to Tampa. I don't think I could just make a trip just for a, a charge on tour. No, it's not My, and Adam, FanFest Arena, Saturday, August 13th. Rumor, you yeah. might have swag in hand. Yeah, yeah. Pen, uh, I think this is now in, it's in pen. Last week we were in pencil. Uh, this week we are in Penn. We are approaching marker status. So v- looking very, very promising for FanFest. 
And then uh, UCF has announced the countdown to kick off luncheon in the arena Thursday, August 18th from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. I don't know who of us will be in attendance for that, but that is when that is scheduled. We've enjoyed getting to know our uh, upcoming opponents in the Big 12. And congratulations, uh, guys, Sons of UCF, now part of the officially a part of the 10-12 network. And also part of that is we get to know West Virginia this week. We welcome in Jeremy Phoenix, who teams with his brother. They're born and raised in West Virginia. They're consumed uh, with sports their entire lives. West Virginia is their passion. They're part of the raspy voice kids, and they're here at least Jeremy is, to talk about West Virginia. Jeremy, welcome in to the Sons of UCF Live. Hey, I appreciate y'all having me on. So this is a good thing. And plus, to be in the building of the 2007 National Champions, man, it's an honor. Absolute <laughs> honor. And it's good to talk <laughs> with a future conference opponent that's in the Eastern time zone. We've been lingering out West yeah. the last couple of weeks. So it's uh, uh, good to talk to you and bring you on. Tell us about West Virginia football this coming season. What are you expecting from the Mountaineers? Ah, man, it's hard because you know how it goes. You get into springtime, you get into summertime, you start drinking the Kool-Aid and what you had first thought. Now you're starting to hear little things. You see camp breaking. And like I said, they always make that they always make that Kool-Aid so strong and so good. So I'm trying not to sip it too much. I understand that our offensive line is uh, is, is a key. It's, it's, it, we go as our offensive line goes. We have Zach Frazier coming back. We have Wyatt Millam. Uh, two All-Americans. One was a freshman All-American. The other one was second-team All-American. So we have a lot better offensive line. But then you add in JT Daniels, the five-star, Graham Harrell, the, the USC offense coordinator. And right now, it's pretty hyped around West Virginia. Now, I know Vegas doesn't love us so much. I know some of the other odds makers don't love us as much. But uh, I think Mountain Nation as a whole is really kind of starting to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit, which is, you know, how summer football goes. So I, I think we'll be I don't believe will be as good as some people think. I'm saying seven and five. I'm trying. I'm trying to watch my intake of Kool Aid, but that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Jeremy, let's talk about the Big Twelve at large. Obviously, a ton of influx these days. Texas, Oklahoma leaving. You know, uh, a, a bunch of new schools coming in, particularly us and UCF. What's the perception of UCF up in West Virginia? Is there excitement about getting somebody on the Eastern Time Zone? Is there a perception of what UCF will bring to the conference from from your standpoint? The whole Eastern time time zone isn't that. Dude, you're way in Florida. Like, <laughs> you're 13 hours away, just the same as, you know, other schools are that far away. Now, I will say it is a benefit that you guys are in Florida because if you ask me, would I rather go 13 hours to Ames, Iowa, or Manhattan, Kansas, or go be in Florida after a trip, I'm definitely going to Florida. But um, the actual, the proximity, I don't think makes much difference since you're so far away. But what I do love is the pedigree that you bring, 2017 national champions. But more than that, you guys have built a program. I'm looking even at BYU. If you watch them, they show the ability on the offensive defensive uh, lines to be able to compete with the big boys. Um, Houston, too. Houston's down there in, in uh, a rich talent where it comes to recruiting. So they have the ability. Cincinnati, we see what they did last year. Granted, they're not in a Power 5 uh, uh, conference, but they showed that they have the ability. Plus, Cincinnati's loaded with talent. So as we were looking you know, out on the horizon, what are we going to do? I honestly feel like bringing the teams that we did in will help solidify us to at least, you know, fight for the third best conference in college football. <laughs> the fight for third. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's just be real. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. You guys have always seemed to be out on an island here in this conference. Uh, maybe from my perspective, it always seems like you always wanted to be somewhere else. Have you enjoyed being in the Big 12? Obviously, 
success in football hasn't been great. You're averaging about six, seven wins a year. But have you enjoyed playing football in this conference? Is it different? Is it weird? Uh, it's definitely weird. Uh, and I'm not what it look. The way I feel is you get good calls, you get bad calls. There's sometimes we get the benefit of the doubt. And when it happens, there's no point in complaining or being, you know, overly happy. You just keep it moving. Uh, with that being said, I cannot stand the Big 12 refs. <laughs> they have not. They have not welcomed us with open arms. Now, all of a sudden, that Texas, Oklahoma have left. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's family. I don't feel that way. I have not really, you know, I like playing Texas. I like playing uh, Oklahoma when they come in. There's no real robbery, though. And, and there's no real place to go see that's close. What I do like is that money. Have you seen the facilities that West Virginia is uh, upgrading? Like, we have been upgrading our facilities so much because that's what people don't understand. It's about dollars and cents. We've made so much more money than we did in the old school Big East. More money than we would have if we were in the ACC. And that's not the end-all, be-all. But if you're starting a program or if you're continuing a program, you have to have money. And we're seeing it with the NIL right now. So, uh, so I'm glad we're here, but I can't say I've enjoyed it. Our guy Mike is a big fan of preseason polls. CBSSports.com has UCF 40th, West Virginia 66th. You mentioned rivalries. You open with Pittsburgh. Now that is a rival. Yeah. Yeah, you, you asked my opinion about it? <laughs> I am. I am because I've gotten a sense you're not shy of sharing opinions. That's what makes you so good on your, uh, your show. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, go watch Why We Hate Pitt. Um, <laughs> we do this for every team that we play, so better believe when UCF comes to town, we'll be making one about y'all. But with Pitt, it's a real hatred. It's a real hatred. And, and, and because I feel like they take away from every conference that they're in. Um, there's so many reasons why I feel the way I do about Pitt. You can go watch Why We Hate Pitt. But this is a real rivalry, and I cannot wait to see them, and I cannot wait to play in their field and fill their own stadium with our fans because they don't sell out their stadium. Like, like they're, they're Steeler fans in the city of Pittsburgh. There are no real Pitt fans. The next time you see two Pitt fans walking down the street, you let me know because that will be the first time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, uh, if, if, if West Virginia is known for anything, if you Google it, uh, burning couches is, is a thing. Can you take us into this burning couches phenomenon, how it started, what it means, does it still go on? If some UCF fans happen to amble up there for a game at Morgantown, what should we know about burning couches? How do we stay away? How do we get involved? I need more details here. Yeah, well, I'm probably the wrong man for the, for the details because I don't know the history. I don't know how it started. All I know, especially back in the Pat White, Steve Slayton days, when we were winning ball games, somehow that came about when people just started burning couches and it became a thing. <laughs> And people will make a big deal about it. But look, it's what happens. And I understand you shouldn't do certain things. But like I always say, passions works both ways. And when you're a passionate fan base and you got a bunch of 20-year-olds sipping on whatever must will be in their cup and then you have a big win, that's what happens. What I will say is with the new athletic director and everything, things have calmed down a lot. They really have. Back in the day, if you were um, from another school who came into Morgantown, things were hostile. They were really hostile. Now that's calmed down a whole lot. We're way more uh, accepting. Um, if you come to Morgan you're going to have a good time. Like, like I, I see these tailgating places. Look, I've been all over the place. I've been to South Carolina for South Carolina, Auburn. I've been to Tuscaloosa for Alabama, LSU. I've been to Ohio State, Michigan in the big house and in the horseshoe. I've been to Notre Dame, USC. I've been to Penn State, Ohio State, up in Happy Valley. When I tell you West Virginia's tailgate is top 10, I'm being for real. When I tell you West Virginia's home crowd to me, is at least top 15, 
I know South Carolina has 90,000 fans. I'm telling you, Morgan Taylor's louder. So when you come up here, I promise you will enjoy it. Um, we're great fans. We're passionate fans. And one of the reasons is because we don't have anything else. Sports-wise, we don't have any – no, legitimately, we don't have any pro teams. We don't have any soccer team. We don't, we, all we have are the West Virginia Mountaineers and our little brothers, the Marshall Dunning Herd. Other than that, that's what we have, and that's the reason why we take so much pride in what we do have. You think it'd be a good idea if we opened up a couch business in West Virginia? Maybe we could make some money. I seem to be burning them every week. I mean, they I mean, get couches from somewhere. Well, I don't know uh, what seasons you've been watching, but not a whole lot of couch burning. These <laughs> 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 last would, couple of years. I would think you maybe with Graham Hill. Losses more than wins. <laughs> no, no. Usually, usually it's just after wins. So maybe with this new offense of Graham Harrell, it'll uh, ignite again. Okay, what other sports uh, is West Virginia good at, uh, competitive at, that uh, UCF fans are going to have to brace for when they play them in sports? So as a whole, with our athletic department, we're just competitive in a lot of different sports. The first one I'm going to throw out here, one I don't know if you even know is an actual um, sport, which is riflery. West Virginia has won 19 national championships in riflery. Riflery? Uh, riflery. Get, getting on the range. Matter of fact, Jenny Thrasher, I think was it back in the last Olympics, Won the first gold medal for the uh, United States uh, team. What league is West Virginian for that? Yeah, I'm just saying. They, they, we won 19. <laughs> Over the past 30 years, we won four in a row, uh, three different times. There was one time we won 14 out of, like, 18 national championships, uh, which somebody pointed out. Does it bother you that Navy, Air Force, and, and uh, Army aren't winning that every single year? But anyway, <laughs> your Mountaineers are. But if we're going to talk about sports that we know, Women's soccer, 2016, we went to the national championship. We always have a strong team with Nikki Izzo-Brown. Um, the men just went to the quarterfinals last year. Uh, the year before that, we actually beat the national championship uh, team in soccer, which was Marshall, and I have no clue how in the world we didn't get into the tournament. But baseball, we hosted a regional a couple years ago. I know you probably saw Alec Manoa, uh, who was on that re uh, regional team, uh, playing in the All-Star game this year for uh, Toronto. So our Coach Maisie really has our baseball team going in the right direction. Wrestling, we're always competitive. We're always hovering around that, you know, 23, 24, 25 rank. So when I'm being honest, like, honestly, in all sports, West Virginia is competitive. And, and uh, all, our uh, athletic director, Shane Lyons, is really doing a good job. We just need to step it up in, in football a little bit. All right. Well, good for UCF. No wrestling program, no riflery. So we duck yeah, it right. in those big ones. <laughs> Jeremy, take us back to the tailgate for a second. Is, is there a, a food option that, that West Virginia is known for? Is there a drink or a beverage that y'all known for that Definitely. we have to check out when we're up there? You've got to get a West Virginia pepperoni roll. You ever heard of pepperoni rolls? I have, yes. I've never in my life. So like my whole life I grew up and I thought they were just worldwide, like pepperoni rolls. That's, that's what they are. It wasn't until I was like 14 until I realized, no, these are just a West Virginia thing. Like, I think they've expanded out since then, but that's what it is. I know it's kind of people feel one way or the other, but, you know, if Boston can have their beans, we'll take the pepperoni roll and feel prideful about it. How often do you guys play that John Denver song? Is it played during every single game, every pregame? So, uh, you have to know the words in order to get on campus there? So, yeah, no, no, it's a prerequisite. You got to know it. If you're a player, you definitely have to know it. And that's the reason why it's big time for the players who come from West Virginia to teach the other ones who come in the words, why it means so much. That's why it's so big for have homegrown Mountaineers on the team so they can teach the other kids why we hate Pitt so much because you may not understand. 
But when it comes to uh, Country Roads, yeah, if you're out in the tailgating lot, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear the West Virginia anthem by your boys, the Raspy Voice Kids. You're going to hear uh, 660, 66240s, the gold and the blue. But the, the interesting thing about John uh, Denver's Country Roads is we only sing it after a win. It is not handed out. If we lose, we do not sing. If you hear Country Roads, it's too late. If you hear Country Roads, we won the game. So it's it's uh, it's a it's a great tradition. What do you Let's guys say if you're up big in the fourth quarter? Is that what you're saying? I, I think or they should, but the no. They usually start yeah after the game interviews. The players get arm in arm, and uh, the whole crowd sings it. I don't know if you've checked it out, but check it out on YouTube when we beat Tennessee down there in Charlotte, North Carolina. The entire stadium, you can hear them belting it out as if we were at home. Uh, let's wrap up with uh, this. What else is there to do in Morgantown? What are the must-see activities or places or bars or things like that to do when fans come visit you in a couple of years? I knew you were going to go there. I knew <laughs> And I was hoping you're not. I, the truth is, I've been to Morgantown a million times ever since I was young. And uh, it's, it's a great place to tailgate. It's a pre- great place to go to a game. But outside that, man, I'm not, I'm not kicked it for, you know, the nightlife in Morgantown. There's not one spot that I know, like, oh, my goodness, you must go here. Uh, I'm sure if you talk to some of the locals, maybe they can point you in a direction. But uh, I don't – I mean, honestly, I don't have a spot. Like, I'm, I'm, I actually live an hour and 45 minutes from Morgantown. So when I go up there, it's pretty much for games, and I come home. Well, I know where we'll be tailgating. We'll be tailgating with you, of course. Tell us more Absolutely. about your show, you and your brother, and, and what you guys do. That's right. So we talk about West Virginia. We break it down from a fan's perspective. We give you a reaction, a real reaction about what's going on and how we feel. A lot of times uh, we do it right after games. So you're getting real emotion, how we really feel. We're not talking about the sugarcoating coach speak. Well, I think, well, no, no, no. Real talk, how we feel, how we're reacting to a situation. But before that, we usually start off the show with pop culture. It could be something like we've done a, What's your favorite movie, Toy Story or Lion King? Or what's the best Pop-Tart? Or does ketchup go on a hot dog? Or are you, are you Pepsi or are you Coke? So we talk a little bit about pop culture. Uh, we get into that because, you know, it's just good laughs. Uh, actually, this week we did, are you the type of person who shows up five minutes before a clo- uh, store closes? And what does that say about you? <laughs> if you do, so... Uh, we start with pop culture, but it, it really is. It's just uh, it's just a good time. Like, it's just real. Like, me and my brother, we have a, a rapport, and it's just real, and it's honest, and it's just, you know, based on having fun, but also keeping it real about what we see from our Mountaineers and how we really feel. Uh, Adam, can you bring back Robert's comment there? He's asking, is uh, Jeremy's brother the energetic one? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy... <laughs> Thanks for bringing the energy uh, and introducing us a little bit more about. Western. He is definitely he is definitely the cerebral one. He's very uh, analytical. Uh, he's a little bit more calm. I'm the uh, crazy, emotional, passionate one. But hey, so goes life, right? Jer- Jeremy, what, what is the best pop tart? I've got s'mores in the chat. I got strawberry. What is the best pop tart flavor? Brown sugar, babe. Brown sugar. Mm. <laughs> you want the frosted, right? Yeah, the frosted brown sugar. I can go either or. I okay. and by the way, I will accept. I will accept uh, s'mores. If you said s'mores, I'll accept it. My brother okay. is dead wrong when he says strawberry, because we had Pat McAfee on the show, and Pat McAfee was like, "You know why he said strawberry? Because he's basic, and that's the truth. 
Any real one knows is brown sugar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, give at Raspy Voice Kids a follow on Twitter and give them a listen as part of the uh, 1012 network. Jeremy Phoenix, thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. No, I absolutely appreciate you guys reaching out. Um, I'm glad we got to get together. And uh, I can't wait to do more shows with you guys. Thanks, Good Jeremy. Deal. Go Mountaineers this Thank year. You. Yes, sir. All right, Mike. We've been going around the Big 12. Are you in for that roadie to Morgantown? <laughs> yeah, the town, he didn't sell me on the town, but I definitely want to hang out with this dude. He seems fun. <laughs> I think I can, I can definitely have a good time with him. And I'm sure his, the rest of his crew. So um, I, I enjoyed that. I'm going to go check out the Raspy Boys kids right after this. I, he, he sold me on. I like the comment. Was that another Robert comment? Mike, do you be wearing sunglasses uh, yeah. uh, on, on future shows? Robert uh, asked if Mike now wears sunglasses during all shows. <laughs> yeah, I, like I was going to go run and get some at that time, but I was scared <laughs> that when you came back, I wouldn't be in my chair. <laughs> Like that hasn't happened before. Now, it's, Trace, it's been it's been a lot of fun getting to know the, the, these different schools, and uh, you know us, you know, partnering up with the, with the ten twelve network just brings some some more you know interconnection to to our schools, and 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 bring some more fun to the entire conference. And hopefully, we'll find more ways to bring some of these folks on. We'll hopefully go on their shows as well and have some fun. I can't wait for the why I hate UCF video coming off from yeah. the Aspen Voice Kids. I can't wait to see that one. Maybe we'll respond and do a why I hate West Virginia. Have a little. Uh, have a little fun with that too. So it should be a lot of fun, but definitely appreciate uh, you setting all these up and, and everyone who's joined us so far. Yeah. Uh, let's go around the kingdom before we open that mailbag at Rocco Miller eight just sounds kind of made up, but he's a bracketologist uh, reporting UCF will host Samford Samford as part of its 22, 23 non-conference schedule game set December 4th, Orlando, John Rothstein, you know, him says UCF in Miami going to start a home and home series, November 27th in Orlando, then return game in uh, Coral Gables. Mike, you'd be able to go to that one. And I know Mike's circling this, the uh, debut of national indoor soccer will be played <laughs> at the arena on campus. A new team, the Central Florida Crusaders announced today, black and gold logo, men's and women's team press conference next week, indoor soccer in the arena on the UCF campus, a game start in December. So uh, Adam, we got anybody that might want to, Help us Listen, introduce our next segment. You can say a lot of things about us, and most of them are probably true, but we always try to up our game. So in an effort to bring you more and more voices, Trace, we have special guests now to walk you through what's coming up next, like like this gentleman right here. My name is Kenny Ingram. Let's open that sons of UCF mailbag. <laughs> you heard him. He a wants the mailbag open. At media day today, they were all good sports about it. Uh, I saved a couple of the bloopers. That was uh, fun as well. What about the walk-in talks? How are we doing on walk-in talks this week? This isn't necessarily a walk-in talk, although uh, at least this time he is fully clothed. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm sitting up here in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, and I'll be wondering, wait, have I been in Tennessee too long? I don't know. Either way, um, my question is, with one returning starter in the linebacking core, who do you think our best linebacker will be for the future? By the way, that's where we're staying. This is the dam that I built so I could have some nice Russian water behind the cabin. Having a real good time, middle of the day. It's about 76 degrees right now. 
I may not come home until football season. See ya. At Greg, two G's there at the end, 730, a couple of weeks ago, floating talk in the pool. And uh, I thought for sure when he started showing us around the, the river, you were going to give him that Brian W. Peterson treatment and speed that up a little bit. <laughs> Brian, can't use that joke. Your, your I can't use that joke every week, Trace. I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime joke. It definitely looked like a really idyllic scene there for uh, for Greg with two Gs, I'm sure. Idyllic. Idyllic. Uh, so I was just waiting for the alligator to make an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the future of the linebacker position? Yeah, I mean, at this point, the, the youngest of the linebackers is Terrence Lewis, obviously having four years of, of eligibility. We, we Braden Jennings also has, I think, four years as well. He's played a little bit more. So I think you're probably looking at one of those two. If you're looking at the future of linebackers, will it be one of those two this year? That's the big question. You've got some guys, Jason Johnson, Walter Yates the third, who have experience playing linebacker before. So maybe they have a little bit of an upper, upper hand there. So I think longer term, bigger picture, it's probably either Jennings or Lewis. This guy, we don't even know the answer to the linebacker question of the present. And this guy wants us to predict the future. How the heck are we supposed to know? I don't know. It could be any one of these guys. It could be somebody there that's going to come into the class next year. That's that's a good point, Mike. Uh, from Robert, two letters, two words. Mike, this well, I got I got music, Trey. Do you, what kind of music oh. do you want? I got I got more of a laid back. I got more of a uh, more of a little up tempo. What do you what do you want? Up tempo. Up tempo. All right. I think High energy just, show. We were asking boys kids on earlier. We didn't have there you go. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Mike, Robert asks, in the quarterback battle, does such a stacked running back room give Mikey Keene an advantage over JRP? I thought I saw you with a retort on at least some thread here about uh, a similar thing this week. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I think Nick Patty yeah, answered I try to ask Mike, this Mike, of uh, Nick. And so what do you think? Yeah, I try to ask Nick that same question. Uh, to me, I, I would think it favors the, the, the passer, the Mikey Keene, better, the more accurate passer. If you already have an established running game, I, that's the way I would think. Uh, at CapVeg1, how soon before we start hearing camp rumors about standout players? Seems we start hearing rumblings, but how far into camp before we're starting to get a, some unofficial insights? It was uh, Josh Selisar who dropped the name. I had to look him up. Curvin's shoot, defensive tackle. He got a name drop uh, during a media availability this week. Yeah, again, pay attention to who's in the media day. Pay attention to who gets to the podium. I thought the most interesting thing, though, uh, Trace, was Gus on day one. I think it was Brandon Helwig asked the question about who's maybe transformed. And he said, Jordan Johnson. And everybody got excited. And he only came back to correct that later and said he meant he meant Jordan Davis, the uh, the tight end. So one of those two potentially is a name drop as well. Soon as the presser ended, he said, I, I didn't mean him. <laughs> I, meant, <laughs> I meant Jordan, just to correct it, which is fine, except he did that presser live on Twitter. So everybody heard what he said first. Uh, at Spursy Night, who's your pick for su surprise player of the season? Is that going to be a, a sunny preseason award category you don't want to reveal right now? We'll say that one I don't know what surprise means. Does surprise mean we didn't expect much? Does surprise means somebody we hadn't heard of before? I think many interpretations of surprise. In my view, it's going to be somebody on the defensive side of the football. I think we know who the offense is. We know the players. I've talked about the linebacking core, even the back end. Is Kobe Perry somebody who plays a lot? Does Nakai Martinez step in and play a little bit? You know, who takes that linebacker spot? Is it Terrence Lewis, Braden Jennings? So I think it's probably somebody in that mixture. So I, I don't know if I know a name, but I'm going to go defense would be where I'd, where I'd get that from. It could be an incoming freshman that we didn't expect to get a lot of playing time. Maybe maybe one of the, uh, Jordan McDonald, somebody that maybe just 
forces their way into the lineup and it's so good that they, they can't be taken off the field. So um, a surprise to me has to be somebody that we don't know of anything about yet. At Joyner Perez, how confident do you feel key players returning from injury will, you, will be ready to go week one? Uh, RJ Harvey, uh, Terrence Lewis, those are two names. One being no chance, five, no doubt. I don't know where R.J. Harvey fits into that crowded running back room, but if he's cleared to play, I think we'll see him in some capacity. Yeah, I think it's if I'm having to judge the scale, one is no, five is is yes. I guess a five, right? It sounds like they're both practicing. They're both ready for, for, for go. seems like they're both full contact. I think R.J. Harvey is interesting. We talked about in the podcast this week, where does he fit into this mix, you know, in terms of just depth? I think if you think about running backs, you split them into two groups. So you're, you're bigger, your power backs, right? Your Bowsers, your Mark Anthony Richards, maybe your Jordan McDonald's. And you have your smaller, shiftier, speedier backs, right? You got your, uh, you got your Johnny Richardsons. You got your. Um, I don't think Bowman is eligible this year, right? But he's, he's obviously named. And you have RJ Harvey, so I think you kind of split them that way. But I think there's gonna there's gonna be a niche for RJ at some point. Um, and you got to root for that kid. He was, by all accounts, the starting running back leading into preseason camp last year. Had an unfortunate knee injury, um, so you got to assume that that talent is hopefully still there, and he's got a role in that offense. Mike at UCF Knight underscore 115. How quickly will the new linebackers, the transfer, the freshmen, adapt to T-Will's defense? And part two, will the playbook be thick or light going into Louisville? Well, obviously, the playbook's going to get thicker as the season goes along. We're only going to have that one warm-up game before Louisville, so I can't imagine it's that complex coming into that. I still think they're going to be in the evaluating stage the first couple of weeks, especially for these young linebackers. So I, Louisville game, I was expecting just a base defense at armored underscore up which ucf record most susceptible to being broken in 22 rushing yards by quarterback 100 yard rushing tandems passes broken up none of the above i'm gonna go off off the board trace it won't be broken because you can't break this it'll be it'll be tied though i say ryan o'keefe matches the sean beckton four touchdowns four different ways in a game we saw him this week potentially returning kicks we know he's taking handoffs we know he can catch the ball we've seen him throw some passes i'm going way off the board here super hot take ryan o'keefe ties the sean beckton this year the hottest of all takes that's never happening and so I, i'm still convinced <laughs> beckton is the only guy in the history of football to ever do that outside of like a backyard game um the easiest one would probably be if, if jrp is the quarterback rushing yards by a quarterback in a game right doesn't Vic Penn isn't he the only one that's run for 100 or did he even run for 100 yards in a game I, I think, think it's only 116 once. Like, I think it's 116 he had in a game yeah yeah so that, that's nothing for Plumlee that's like two or three of his highlight runs so I, I think that's the probably the most likely at UCF Big 12 why is it Dante shows up to speak to the team no UCF swag you think he'd rep I don't care what he wears he was in that room talking to those players and uh, I'm glad to see Dante Culpepper back. Yeah, I thought the funniest thing from that was Ryan O'Keefe, again, uh, basically said that it was yeah. cool. I didn't know he used to throw to Randy Moss. That's how yeah. old we are, is that there are people walking this planet who have no idea that Dante and Randy Moss were teammates and had a fantastic connection. I don't think Dante can fit into any of his old UCF stuff, so if he's <laughs> going to be wearing any UCF stuff, it's going to have to be something new that they just gave him. Uh, at UCF Nightingale. Where's Nugget? Why is he not at the forefront anymore? Nitro's been through too much, the loss of glycerin. Pandemic, now this. Mm. I, I, I don't care about Nugget. <laughs> Bring back glycerin. Wow. 
Did you reincarnate as Mike? Or what just happened here? We've got we've got grumpy. <laughs> I didn't understand grumpy that horse. I, we, I didn't understand the addition of the horse. And it was Nugget. So. It me. Yeah. Yeah, that seems yeah, he stole my answer. <laughs> wow. This is the second got... time in the last like three weeks you two have aligned on something. It's scary. It, uh, it, uh, and that's why I cast uh, the the votes in the AC poll because I knew I was channeling my inner. Which mind. two? Which one of you needs to rethink your life more if you're agreeing with each other? Let's <laughs> 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 we'll that later. Uh, at UCF guy twenty three, seeing a lot of gifts for season ticket holders, asking what type of reward would you like for your renewal? I think that's an interesting question. I got my renewal for Orlando City Soccer this week, and they're up in the ante to uh, retain season ticket holders. You want uh, trinkets or you want, uh, you know, things that you can build on uh, with your points. Uh, I, I certainly think experiences, the more experiences that they can give you may mean more than perhaps, uh, you know, swag. Yeah, I would do an experience. I was thinking like there's something we could walk the field before the game, something along those lines. Right. If not, everybody loves a good free T-shirt. Throw out some T-shirts with some with some nice, you know, I'm a I'm a lifelong season ticket holder. I'm five years in, something like that. I think everyone enjoys that kind of stuff. All they need to do is win to make me happy. I don't really need anything extra, but if they do, they want to give me my own my hot own dogs. hot dog card at the top of the cabana, my own beer tub lady. <laughs> I'll take that. A private, you know, a little VIP hot dog and beers for me. Experience. There you go. Okay. Uh, at uh, Brian W. Peterson. He says, it's a wonderful award and all the nomination for Isaiah Bowser, you know, the Warful Trophy, you know, community service, academics and all that, but do we really want him to win an award named after a Florida Gator? Danny Warful's a good guy in uh, college sports. I don't have any problem with it. UCF still beat him in the Gasparilla Bowl. At uh, Hugh C. Half, back on uh, this topic, Mike, you like to stir this up online. In response to the rumored elimination of liquor sales from Cabana and additional alcohol stadium-wide, Timo responded to the outcries. Uh, new game day info will be coming soon. Folks will be happy. Any guesses what you think that will include? It, apparently, we've raised the bar. If it doesn't include this hot dog stand, it's going to be a problem. Uh, I, I don't know. I think this is Timo maybe kicking it down the road a couple more weeks, giving him some more time to come up with some ideas to make these people happy. Uh, they're doing the same thing with the uh, uniform reveal. Everybody wants to know the stuff now. Maybe he does have something up his sleeve. I hope he does because, well, it doesn't seem like they're taking liquor away. So I, I think they kind of fixed that. And unless they decide to go through with that, then they might have some issues. Now, unofficially, I'd heard this week in certain circles that uh, uniform reveal may be the week of Fan Fest. So mm. eyeball week of fan fest at zebel's UCF. Trace, wait a minute that's this upcoming week isn't it i'm just saying oh. no no it's not this coming is no, it next not is this, this coming week or next week it's upcoming this week yeah this upcoming okay. week all right it's well already, it's already friday for all intents and purposes here yeah i guess uh <laughs> happy sure. friday everybody it still feels like july to me at zebel's ucf wife and i are expecting our first baby how best do i force i mean encourage baby doke <laughs> I didn't get the reference at first because I'd forgotten that this was a topic of conversation on the podcast. That's all you, Mike. I got nothing here. Baby Doke. <laughs> you know, if he can get the baby named Doke, I think that's a cool thing. But he, the question was, how does he shit, get Baby Doke to become a UCF fan? You got to embed it in them from day one. If you look at pictures, I have pictures of both of my daughters from the time, like one of their first outfits are UCF cheerleading outfits, little baby stuff. You put it in them, they won, you start taking them to the games, you just brainwash them early on. And either they're <laughs> gonna follow along and do that, or they're just gonna do the complete opposite to get you angry when they're teenagers. So 
as Adam is finding out now with his daughter uh, a little bit. If uh, they make UCF and Lululemon, I'm going to be broke. Uh, <laughs> at uh, Cass City J, who is on your UCF Twitter, Mount Rushmore? Good question. Yeah. I It's so hard to pick amongst everybody. I'll, I'll name mine first. Even when I don't agree with them, J.P. Gilbert makes yes. me laugh. At J.P. Gilbert. Uh, there's no way we could do what we do without the input and the support of Brian W. Peterson and two letters, two words, Robert. And I've had an ongoing through many years and multiple shows on different networks uh, with Libby at Libs 407. These are my my four. Tell us more. All right, here is the, the definitive list. I did not name anybody on this show, so I was uh, I was objective. Nobody associated directly with UCF, so also objective. Here we go. Number one, Brandon Helwig, UCF Sports. How he's not on this list. I mean, he For started Twitter? this whole... Yeah, he's Twitter. At, at UCF Sports. You want to follow Brandon there? He drops some nuggets every now and again. He's the OG. He's the dean of these kind of things. JP Gilbert. Nobody on Twitter makes me laugh more than JP Gilbert. That is definitive. That is an official power ranking. That's the number one seed. UCF Sports Info. A good follow. Oh, Always yeah. a lot of interesting nuggets yeah. on there. Always a lot of interesting historical stuff. And I'll go with the sidelines UCF account. I think it's SSN at UCF or SS underscore UCF. Always some good stuff, funny stuff. Uh, does a lot of stuff for uh, for the for the brand. Always out there with other accounts. So that's my Mount Rushmore of UCF accounts. I didn't really. Call, I didn't. <laughs> There's no way Mike Kipper. I, I saw this. the question on there. There's three of us here. There's one, two, three. Who the fourth one would be? Let's give it to Jan and Britt. How's that? Or, or just the Suns account, right? We each have our well, own Twitter account. The Suns account is Adam. You have your own Twitter, though, don't you? I do, but it's so hard to toggle back and forth. And I, yeah, I don't. I, I tried for a while. I can't do it. Mike, how's the Instagram going? <laughs> uh, you know, I did post my first thing ever uh, on Instagram in the last two months. It was the uh, the picture that we posted earlier today when you, you can uh, pay for your quarterback receiver. That one right there. And uh, that seemed to go well. And I also came up with a new one today. I don't know if you saw that one, Trace. The um, home games, away games, and neutral site games. Same format. I had five for each one to pick. But this time you only had $9 to use. Um, I, I'd be interested in what your response is. I don't know if, Adam, you have the graphic for that one. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Uh, yeah, I don't have time for all that, Mike. You're lucky I pulled that off in the <laughs> middle of the show um, while Nick was talking. Right. Point. Well, go check it out after this. It, it's a tough, both of those are tough decisions. I don't know what to do. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, Adam. So uh, you're going to be up all night posting uh, media day interviews to YouTube, or what will the more realistic Mostly. schedule yeah, be? Yeah, and listen. If here's what you're going to need to do: if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, go ahead and do that right now. If you are, then call a couple of friends, tell them to subscribe to. I think like no fewer than 15 conversations with players and coaches, uh, and these are these are shorter conversations, so three, four, five minute conversations. You can breeze through a bunch in a short amount of time. So keep keep watching Friday. Maybe even some on Saturday, maybe even some on Sunday. Because, Trace, there's no media coming through until when? When's the next time you all get a chance to talk to players? Availability with Coach Malzahn. I'm not sure about players on Sunday following the scrimmage. So we're going to want to okay. hear from Coach Malzahn when he tells us absolutely nothing about the quarterback battle. Perfect. So you've got a whole, two whole days, Friday and Saturday, where you're not going to hear from anybody in UCF. So that's when we'll, we'll keep you updated. So the YouTube channel is where you're going to want to be. Maybe I should have waited <laughs> to put out those two things for uh, the days that there was no media and nothing else to talk about. But um, man, I'll just have to come up with some new stuff, I guess. I don't know. I got new ideas uh, in my brain. I have confidence in you. Looking forward to you guys 
breaking down the first week of camp, uh, maybe talking about some of the video clips you've seen, maybe some of the reaction to Coach Malzahn's comments following the Sunday scrimmage. That's coming up on, you're getting closer to 200, guys, episode 191. Again, congratulations. Now part of the 1012 Network, the official UCF podcast that's part of that. And, and Trace, right can, here, I, sorry, yeah. can I drop another quick nugget for everybody? I think I'm allowed uh, to announce nugget. this There's today. a nugget sighting. Nugget. Ah, I think I'm allowed to, to announce this here today. Uh, please, to let everybody know, more details details on what this will look like but uh once again we are glad to be uh be in business with our good friend jubilani this time with his uh his his uh his poor choice tap room out there in orlando trey so poor choice is going to have a couple of different watch parties this year some specials going on for some away games as well so uh more to come on that but happy to be working again with drew he was one of the early folks who was a part of the the, the program with us here so happy to have drew back on board so check out poor choice more to come on what that looks like maybe some specials i'm I'm pushing for a beer named after the Suns. I don't know where we are in those negotiations yet with Drew, but I want a Suns UCF lager, uh, a walk and talk ale, uh, you know, shirtless <laughs> Mike, you know, Pilsner, Pilsner something. I, I need shirtless some sort of a bill. I need some, I need some sort of a beer named after. I love Drew. He was our first ever sponsor and that place poor choice looks awesome. I haven't had the chance to get there yet, but it looks awesome. It looks like a great time for you to go hang out and watch a UCF game. Uh, really happy to have Drew back in the family here. Yeah, I've been uh, downtown in Orlando. It's a good place. Uh, so looking forward to being there again. Not been there for a game or a viewing party, but uh, looking forward to being back. All right, we welcome back in Nick Patty. Again, congratulations, Nick. And of course, our friends uh, with the Raspy Voice Kids uh, as part of the 1012 Network. Uh, first week we're going along now for preseason camp, 28 days away from kickoff, UCF and South Carolina State. We've got it covered on the pod and on live. And uh, Adam, as part of the ever-enhanced viewing of this show, we also have something new to end with. Yeah, I mean, usually you said go nights charge on. If you want to do that still, and then I'll hit this button. For Adam and okay. Mike, I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights! Charge on. Trey Mom Moish Brash. Thanks for watching, Sons of UCF. That's pretty good. I don't know. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.